welcome to the Shushbox Podcast, a safe space for self-expression, healing, and empowerment. Hosted by me, Sunita, founder of Shushbox, the wellness platform supporting survivors of sexual trauma. Hello listeners, we are back after a little break because sometimes you really do just need to listen to your body and have a time out when needed. So this week I'd like to welcome my next guest, Lynn Barrett, a survivor of Dissociative Identity Disorder, often referred to as DID. Lynn suffered from DID, which used to be called Multiple Personality Disorder, after experiencing severe childhood trauma. She now manages a fully functional, happily integrated life, facilitates writers' workshops, and has also released her memoir entitled Crazy, reclaiming life from the shadow of traumatic memory. I am adding a small trigger warning as we do mention childhood abuse and suicidal thoughts, so please be mindful whilst listening. So welcome, Lynn, to the Shushbox podcast. Really happy to have you here. Um, I thought we could just start things off by maybe giving yourself a little introduction and then we can go into the topic of conversation. Sure. Thank you so much. I'm really, really happy to be here today. My name is Lynn Barrett and I live uh, in New Mexico in the United States. Um, I'm a retired school teacher, school principal and pastor, but uh, the reason why you invited me on uh, your your podcast is because I'm also uh, a survivor of chronic early childhood trauma. And uh, in 1992, I was diagnosed with multiple personality disorder, uh, which was, I believe, two years later changed uh, to dissociative identity disorder or DID. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have a story to tell. uh, and it's a hard story, but it is a happy ending story. And um, uh, I have recently published a uh, memoir called Crazy, Reclaiming Life from the Shadow of Traumatic Memory. And so I've been uh, wanting to be able to share some of my story with people to help end the stigma and to share accurate information Uh, about this disorder, which is often very misunderstood. Thank you. You know, that's a great introduction to kind of even just there talking about, you know, the misconception that people have about these labels sometimes and diagnoses. I think it makes people hard to understand exactly where it's coming from or why it's happening. So, yeah, maybe we could talk a little bit more about what DID actually is for some people. I know you touched on it there, a brief explanation, but for somebody who might not be so familiar or you know, who wants to know a little bit more, what actually is DID? Well, thank you for asking that question, because that really is the heart of it all, isn't it? Let, let's start with the word dissociation. Mm-hmm. Um, dissociation happens to everybody. Uh, and it really just means a temporary split between our body and our mind. So when we get bored, sometimes we go someplace else. That's a little bit of dissociation. Or if we're in um, doing some repetitive activity, Uh, We daydream, we go somewhere else, and that also is uh, a form of dissociation. But because dissociation is a split between um, uh, the body and the mind, it's a temporary split, it can also uh, be a protective device. 
so that uh, veterans um, on the battlefield often dissociate to enable them to survive the horrors that they're experiencing around them. Or uh, women who have been raped um, will uh, often dissociate to protect themselves from uh, the full impact of what's happening to them. But when those acts are over, that dissociation often travels with them and uh, comes back into real life with, as PTSD. Mm-hmm. So dissociation is very common in victims of trauma. And so probably almost uh, any of your, your listeners who uh, may have experienced trauma probably have experienced a certain amount of dissociation mm-hmm. in response to that trauma because it's protective for us, even though um, it can eventually get uh, be, be dysfunctional for us. It initially is very functional. DID happens in children uh, when they're experiencing chronic childhood trauma, when they have no one to help them process that trauma, um, because possibly the person who's perpetrating the trauma may also be the person who's taking care of them. Mm. And so the child doesn't know how to cope with that and splits off apart uh, to hold the trauma. So another part goes out and, you know, interacts in the family and in the world as if nothing had happened. So it's very functional for little children um, to survive. As we get older and these parts, uh, which together are called a system, they start to lose often some of their cohesiveness and, uh, and, and, and split apart again in, in, in adulthood, adolescence or adulthood. And then we learn uh, after maybe seven to 10 years of misdiagnosis that we've been diagnosed with a dissociative identity disorder. We don't know that we're doing this. It's a um, very um, uh, unconscious uh, thing that the mind does uh, in childhood. And the mind sort of protects the child from it, even as the child's growing up. So we don't know that we usually don't know we have all these parts. Now, Mm -hmm. I have to be really careful because DID manifests itself differently in different people. But there are certain things that we can say that are true for most people. And so for most people, we initially don't realize that we have parts. We think we're just you know, one person. And then uh, perhaps something uh, triggers us uh, that starts to make our parts um, become more active, more present uh, in in a variety of different ways in our lives. And uh, that's when we start to seek treatment. And uh, ordinarily, it takes a long time for, for the system, the health systems to identify that it's uh, DID or dissociative identity disorder. Yeah, I mean, it would be different for each person, but what could that diagnosis process look like? I guess if somebody was feeling there's something not right or not feeling right within them, how would they then get onto that journey of finding out, getting that diagnosis? Let me tell you what some of the symptoms are or, uh, that, that we experience. I'm going to tell you what my symptoms were, but I think they're pretty, um, uh, most people have these same kinds of symptoms. I mean, so, so I 
uh, entitled my memoir, Crazy, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of a controversial title, but it was the only word that I, I could use to describe the way I felt back then, because I didn't know I had DID. I did not know I had been chronically sexually abused. Mm. I did not know what was happening inside of me. And I would have multiple strains of thought going on at one time. I felt unreal. Sometimes I felt like I was sitting in the ceiling, uh, in the corner of the ceiling, looking down on myself, uh, going through life and not really being a part of myself. I was watching this wretched woman going mm-hmm. through the motions, you know. Uh, I, I I had body pain everywhere. Um, it was sometimes localized, but most of the time it was everywhere. My whole body felt completely raw. Um, I had uh, a veil between myself and other people, which was especially heartbreaking regarding my children, because Mm -hmm. I really loved my children with all my heart. And yet I couldn't reach them because this veil was separating me from them. Um, And I felt suicidal. I I didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. And I felt suicidal all the time. I actually attempted suicide once. Um, and, and thank God I, I was not successful, uh, but suicidal ideation is very common for people, uh, with DID. Uh, and then there's the whole issue of amnesia. And so, um, there were some large swatches of my early life that I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a lot of memory problems. Now, a lot of people with DID do experience losing time in the present, and I did not experience that. Um, but um, but everybody with DID has some kind of amnesia. It is um, a part of the of the disorder. So I went through ten years of going crazy, but that was really my decompensation. I was decompensating, and I didn't know why. And so I really kind of thought I must be going crazy. I, I did spend uh, 30 days in the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, and when I came out, I found a new therapist. When I went into the hospital, I was uh, not diagnosed with the idea. I wasn't even diagnosed with uh, with, with childhood abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just a professional woman who was falling apart. What that did for me was to help stabilize me, and so I came out still having no idea why I was experiencing this, but at least I was stable. I was not suicidal and I was not hearing um, voices and Mm -hmm. um, other, other symptoms. And so that was when actually some of my parts started to come out and introduce themselves to me, but like, I didn't know what they were introducing. I still, I did you know, I just thought I'm me when why, why, this is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. It still feels crazy. And and the, I, I found a new therapist quite by accident when I came out of the hospital because I had moved to a new um, community and was starting a new job. Um, and um, she helped me to um, really accept these other parts of myself. But I really didn't think that I, at that time it was MPD, multiple personality disorder. Mm-hmm. I didn't think of it as myself as having MPD, but I clearly had parts that had names and that had functions, you know, mm-hmm. but I didn't believe for a minute 
that I had MPD, which is a common, another common response. We don't generally believe it in the beginning. In the beginning, we usually feel like we're making it up. Well, I'm just making this up. But why would you make up being suicidal? Why would you make yeah. up not being real? You know, and so then uh, I, I went to a psychiatrist um, who did a formal diagnosis. Um, and um, so I'd say about nine months after I came out of the hospital, I, I had a formal diagnosis. And the formal diagnosis was extremely helpful mm-hmm. because it didn't change anything right away, but it enabled it, it, it gave me something to hang my hat on. Mm. And it helped me to feel like maybe I'm not crazy. You know, maybe there's really a reason for why this is all happening to me. Uh, that, that was the beginning of, of, of doing the, the actual real work that needed to be done. So it was 10 years of decompensation. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was 10 years of very intense uh, therapeutic work. And then 10 years of integrating myself into a relatively, nor- a dra- relatively normal and drama-free life. Uh, so that's we're really talking about um, about 30 years or more of my life um, that uh, has been focused on this. It's been a real journey. Yes, it's been a journey for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, amazing. It's amazing that you did come through the journey and you're here now telling the story. Along the way, I know that obviously the phase that you're in now, you know, you're out there talking about DID for people who don't know what it is. Um, what do you think are some of the challenges with talking about DID and the stigma, I think, around mental health and mental illnesses? Yes, uh, for sure. And, and the truth is that I'm 74 years old. I am retired and I um have a wonderful husband, uh, uh, and I have a lot of support. And so I can afford to tell my story for the benefit of others to help erase stigma. But most of us, and that's not true of all of us, because I know some people who are quite brave, uh, who are right out there and tell people exactly what's going on for them. And they're young and they are uh, still in the midst of, you know, their careers and whatever. And I have a lot of admiration for them. But most of us don't tell. We simply do not tell. We don't tell people about this. Um, And there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, One is that when we were children, we were programmed not to tell. And if if you tell, uh, you know, someone's going to get hurt or this is our secret, or you're crazy, this isn't true, what you think happened didn't happen, you know, so, so we're programmed not to to tell, DID is actually called the hidden disorder, Mm -hmm. because the whole purpose of it is to hide the abuse from the, from the child, him him or herself, and from anybody else, so it's just ingrained in us not to tell, but the other reason that we don't tell is because of the stigma, because it really could impact our lives uh, in terms of employment and, and in terms of friendships and probably in terms of all kinds of other uh, ways. So I will tell you a very quick story. Last fall, the seminary that I went to and graduated from published a little story about me and my memoir in their newsletter. 
And the next day, I got an email from a pastor that I didn't know and never had heard of. She was younger than me and had graduated um, years after me. She said, when I read your story, I almost fell off my chair. I was diagnosed 20 years ago, and I have never told anyone on account of fear. And I, I just want people to let that settle in on account of fear. We, we are afraid to do that. So sort of to wrap up your question, again, there are people who are incredibly brave and who feel as if they're in a position where they can, they're right in the middle of it and they can talk about it. And I'm, I'm in all of them. But most of the rest of us don't. And, and so some of us now, uh, as we are getting to retirement age, are beginning to uh, feel like we can start to tell our stories. And, and so I hope that in my sharing my story, it does give some people the courage to share theirs. And, and in saying that, I definitely don't think anyone should share their story until they feel safe mm-hmm. and secure. But if they, when they do come to a place of safety and security, uh, that um, uh, they can join the rest of us who are trying to um, destigmatize this disorder. Absolutely. And I, I just want to touch on something you said there. I think, yeah, society, it's a way that society has shifted but to allow people in the younger generations now. I feel like mental health um, is a bit more of an open conversation. There's still stigma around it, but, you know, 20, 30 years ago, this wasn't the case. So people are brave just getting through their own journeys. People are brave and courageous, you know, wanting to find that healing and working on themselves. So even if it's not a case of speaking out and sharing your story, which it's incredible that you're doing this and offering this out to the world for those people who are listening and thinking, gosh, I could never tell my story, you know, as long as you can tell your story to yourself, I think sometimes and look at yourself um, and see how much you've grown. I think that's a really beautiful way to look at it. Yeah, I I so agree with you. I I think Sharing with ourselves is sometimes the biggest block, isn't it? Yeah. And then maybe sharing with our therapists, you mm-hmm. know, and, and building a, a um, trusting relationship with them. I, I'll, I'll share here that I uh, about um, a year and a half ago, I started um, online dissociative writers workshops. And then that's another place where we can share. Mm-hmm. Um, people do people write and then they share their pieces and they're supported in this workshop. And, and so we can do it little bits at a time. You mm-hmm. know, we don't have to uh, get on a bully pulpit and tell the whole world <laughs> right away. Yeah. But starting with yourself, as you mm-hmm. said, and then, then your therapist and then and, and maybe some of your intimate relationships um, and then uh, even uh, developing other relationships with people who are writing too. So um, it, it's a it's a journey and a process, and we all do it a different way. Yeah, but it's good having conversations like this so people can hear and remember that they're not alone on these journeys because it can feel like an isolating place because of how you were programmed, you know, in those younger years to keep it a secret. You know, you're making this up, but it's not real. The reality that you're saying is real. So I think having community as well as part of healing is really important and listening to others and realizing that you're not alone can be quite helpful 
what would you say are some of the positives? So obviously the experience that you've had and you're now sharing your story, which is really incredible. Um, what has been some of the positives you could take away from your from your journey? Uh, well, um, I just I, there was a period of my life when I thought I was the most effective and least capable, least able person in the world. You know, mm-hmm. and it was really a slow but subtle change when eventually I started to think to realize that, hey, I have more self-awareness than most people and I'm actually more resilient than most people. And, you know, and then I was in roles um, as a teacher, principal and pastor where I was supporting people with challenges that uh, actually, by comparison, were relatively small. But I realized that I had the skills and the strength to be able to support them. And and that was just mind blowing for me, uh, having come from a place of feeling so incredibly defective. So I think that's certainly one uh, positive that I have uh, learned for myself. And I also think, so this is is uh, an observation and it's not a scientific fact, at least it isn't yet. (laughs) But I think, those of us with DID, even if we are in our decompensating mode and you know feeling less than able to do anything, we tend to be fairly creative, uh, you know, and we have really uh, kind of amazing skills. Uh, and I I have these wonderful wonderful people in my um, writers workshops that are. Well, we have a bunch of therapists who also have DID, you know, Mm. but we have musicians and we have artists and we have coaches and and people who have been doing really, really interesting things with their lives at the same time that they've been coping with such terrible, difficult things. But I also want to say that that so some of your listeners might think, oh, well, I'm not a great uh, artist or musician. Um, I, I couldn't be a part of a group like that, but that is absolutely not true because we have people from every walk of life. You know, we have people on public assistance and we have people who, um, uh, you know, are very well off and, and everything in between. But just the very fact that you survived mm-hmm. this chronic abuse means that you have a resiliency and a strength and a wisdom and a brilliance inside of you that you don't know you have yet, you know? And that's what these workshops help to do. They help you draw that out, um, you know, and and, and share with others. And the the, the support that uh, these people give to one another is just awe-inspiring to me. And I feel really grateful that I can be a part of this. I mean, that sounds like a fantastic community. How can people get involved if they were listening and thought, wow, this sounds like something I want to join? (laughs) Absolutely. So I have two websites. Uh, One website is my name. It's www.lynnbarrett.com. And the other one is dissociativewriters.com, www.dissociativewriters.com. And uh, you can read there uh, on that uh, website about how you can subscribe to Dissociative Writers. We have two different kinds of workshops that we provide and we're starting a social hangout too so that uh, people can get to know each other better because they are really yearning to do that. Um, and we, we, we published um, 
an anthology of um, creative healing is the name of the anthology uh, of writing from uh, the workshop. So when you subscribe, you're able uh, to do that. And um, there are a variety of other things that we offer. So um, uh, we, I just encourage people to go look that up because we would love uh, to have uh, you become a part of it for anyone who's listening. It do, that does sound like a good place. Um, just going back a little bit. So I know we were talking earlier about your own journey and how you kind of went on the pathway to healing. Um, you mentioned that you started therapy. Was it a certain type of therapy or what would be your advice to somebody who's listening? They think the community sounds great. Maybe they, they don't know if they're quite ready for that. Or what would be your advice to someone who's thinking that they might be going through something similar? but haven't explored avenues for healing, which is a sure. very broad conversation. <laughs> right, right. The most effective way to heal mm -hmm. from DID is to get to know your parts. Some people call them insiders or um, persons or alters, but whatever you call them, uh, to get to know them and to help them get to know each other. Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to share their stories. Now, one of the reasons why a therapist can, is so helpful in these cases is because initially your parts may not all be sweet and loving. <laughs> Some of them can be kind of difficult. You see, your therapist will actually work with you and with all of your parts um, and so that, that they, because essentially, even if they may be difficult, they are hurt children who saved your life, hmm. they saved your life. And so when we get to, when we, the, the more we get to know them, um, the more they become a part of us and we get closer to some form of integration. Um, and that's a whole nother story. Um, some people are, are really wanting to stay in functional multiplicity, which is a valid choice. But even in that, we all, we all integrate the knowledge of all of our parts inside of us. And that is what helps us heal. So we need a therapist who is willing to do that. When, whenever I would, um, uh, a new part would come out in my therapist's office, she would always say, she would say, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You're safe now. And I hope you come back again. Uh, you know, and so, 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 so they became, began to trust her. So our parts, have to trust our therapist and they, they can only do that if they're welcomed um, and, and if they're given the voice to speak. So I, I'd say that, that there's no medication that cures DID, although some people do take medication for say depression or anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, uh, those are secondary conditions, but for the condition of DID itself, it's actually not helpful to medicate your parts because mm -hmm. your parts need to be able to uh, speak and tell their stories um, so that they can heal too. <clears throat> Yoga and other body work is often a um, uh, recommended for the kind of issues we deal with because we're so often out of body mm -hmm. and it helps bring us back into our bodies. Uh, and then of course, I would also say writing. Uh, writing, I have, I have a big plastic bin with, you know, just mounds and mounds of, of journaling that I um, did during that period of my life. So, I, I, and I think there are some other very specific kinds of modalities, um, which 
I have not experienced, so I can't really recommend them. And I think that they're really helpful for some people and not helpful for others. Um, so I think it's you work with your therapist to um, uh, find out what works for you. But the primary goal is to let your, uh, your parts uh, have an opportunity to, um, to speak and to share their stories. I always like to say we, we, we need to be sending on Valentine's Day, we need to send love letters to all of our parts, even when we don't like them. Mm. <laughs> they're like kids, you know, kids can be difficult. They are kids and uh, and they need to know that they're loved. It's a good reminder as well. Like you were saying, um, they saved you. You was in survival mode. So these were things that happened to get you through that experience as well. But if you have difficult parts, and you will, I, you know, I'm speaking to anyone in your audience, you don't have to manage that alone. That's why you need a good therapist who can help you uh, to navigate some of the issues that some of the difficult parts may present. But in the end, they all turn out to be hurt children. Um, and it's probably helpful to be aware of that. So did it feel for you personally that your parts then became one? Uh, yes, I have. I have felt uh, integrated uh, since. Um, I always get confused. I'm. I'm not good with time. Uh, so for 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 like twenty years, about twenty years, uh, I've been integrated. However, people kind of think that integration means that they're now they're all fused together and they'll never come apart. And that's really not true. They're, so so our according to the structural theory of dissociation. Uh, our brains were still developing when we were children. Mm -hmm. And so this is the way our brains develop. So uh, Rosie, my, my, the center of my system, and Nanny, and, you know, Mike and Sylvia and all the other parts of my, well, they're still up there somewhere in the folds of my neurons. Mm -hmm. And every now and then one of them will come out and say something if I'm not doing it right. Mm -hmm. or if they just have a really strong opinion. And actually, there's a part of mine that never fully integrated, and I guess I didn't realize that. And with the stress and strain of uh, publication, uh, he has come up and out, and so my therapist is working with me, with him. Um, so so integration uh, is a state of mind, in a sense, and I have felt unified for all these 20 years, but I do know that I still have parts inside of me and occasionally they will come out if that makes sense no it does thank you so much it's so um helpful I think talking about it and if anyone is listening feeling like it's something that they might have experienced or they're feeling lost I think this is a brilliant conversation to be having to raise awareness so thank you so much Lynn for sharing your story with us and your vulnerability with it as well. I really do appreciate that. Um, so you mentioned earlier, you've got your book, Crazy. How can people, where can people find it? <laughs> Tell us a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> you can find it on almost any online bookseller. Um, if you just uh, put it, you know, in the search function, it will probably come up. Of course, you can find it on Amazon uh, and you can find it on um, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, but there's a whole host of other um, sellers that are um, uh, also uh, uh, hosting it. So um, I encourage people to 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 order and read it. I think it's the paperback right now is 
something like uh, 30% off uh, on Amazon. So now's the time to get it. Oh, good deal. Um, yeah, really. <laughs> and uh, and if you read it, I would, it, two things. I, it, it, you can reach me on my uh, website. There's a contact page and you can send me a, um, a message if you read it and if you want to tell, you know, share anything with me. Um, and, uh, and also I, um, I love to get, uh, reviews and ratings on Amazon, um, uh, good or bad, obviously I'd rather have good ones, but, uh, you know, they can be discerning reviews. So I encourage people with that too. And I, I hope that, uh, some of your listeners will, um, will look for crazy reclaiming life from the shadow of traumatic memory. And it just was named a finalist, um, in the, um, uh, National uh, Independent um, Book Awards. Um, and so I was really proud of that. Fantastic. I mean, what we'll do is actually put the link as well uh, in the podcast description. So anybody who's listening will link out to all of your pages and a link directly so that they can find the book. I mean, you might have just answered it there, but there was one thing that I just wanted to uh, ask you before we ended the conversation. And that was, what has been your proudest moment to date? Oh, wow. That's, uh, let's see, what's my proudest moment? I, I, well, I certainly was proud to, to publish my memoir and to win that award. Yes, absolutely. But I think that the, the proudest moment has been uh, really the, the inner work um, that has led me to have such a full and happy life. Um, that, that's got to be my proudest moment because in the end, isn't that what we all want is to have a full and happy life and with or without a book, with or without an award, you know, it, it, you can still have a full and happy life. And that's, that's my proudest moment. Thank you for asking. Thanks for listening. For more information, head to www.shushbox.com. We see you, we hear you, we believe you.